0: want to welcome you today, whether uh, one of our campuses or whether you're joining us online, we want to just say thanks for taking the time that we could spend uh, today together and worshiping our God. Um, Man, been good so far, hadn't it? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you're here? Go Chiefs. Yeah, that gets a response, right? Go Chiefs. That's right. Uh, You guys are... You guys are looking good, looking good today. I I heard a few people say, oh man, I forgot to wear, you know, my my chief stuff. And I'm just saying again, it is a sign that we Kansas City people are spoiled, right? Because in that first year, we didn't forget to wear our red stuff, right? We've just kind of come to to expect it. Uh, But I do hope, and maybe I'll even pray, that by the end of the day today, you're able to say that your day just got better and better and better. All right? I hope that's the case. I do. This last week, um, my wife got to go spend a couple of days with her parents. Um, They are looking to transition to a different house, and so they are going through stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you got to move and you're thinking about going through stuff. If you've ever done that, you know that going through stuff sometimes includes photos, right? Now, some of you are young and so you don't even know that it's less than 20 years ago that you could even start taking a picture with your phone, all right? That's less than 20 years ago. Back in the day, there was no storing photos on a cloud. You stored photos in a book or a box and a closet. That's how, that's how it works. And so when you go through stuff, you find them again. Well, she brought um, a few of those home, and I thought I would just share one of those with you today with her permission. Now, those shorts say, welcome to the 80s. All right, that's what that, that's that's all about the '80s. This is my wife. This is my wife. She um, in this photo would have been somewhere around the eighth or ninth grade. Um, I think it was about uh, the ninth grade, and this was about the time that I would have first met her, and about the time that I declared slap a franchise tag on that girl because I want to be with her and I want her to be with me and looking back on this picture it made me think this week not quite now we still got a year or so but if this is around the eighth grade or so it's been almost 40 years since that day almost 40 years, and here's what I'm gonna tell you, wow. It has been so much fun growing up with her. So much fun growing up with her, which includes so much fun growing up together in our relationship with Jesus. Because if that part hadn't happened, I don't know how all the other part would have worked out. And then came the fun of watching our kids grow up. And, and, and likewise, most importantly, watching them grow up in their relationship with Jesus. That's the image that I want you to have today the Apostle Paul is going to express that same joy when it comes to God's kids that he has met throughout all the the missionary journeys that God has allowed him to make, all of those that Paul saw born again into God's family, Paul is so passionate about them growing up together in Jesus. In, in the book of Colossians, he he, he makes this statement. He says, I, I, I teach you to present everyone mature in Christ. He says, all the energy that Jesus gives me, that's what I put it toward. In the, in the letter to the Ephesians, he said, look, this is all about God's people being equipped. Equipped for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up so that it will grow up in in unity, that it will grow up in maturity to the fullness of Christ. It cracks me up in Galatians. The way he says it is he describes this process as like going through the pains of childbirth to see Christ formed in them. And it always cracks me up because I think all the ladies in the crowd are like... Yeah, right, like a man knows what it's like to go through the pains of childbirth. I'm saying I think Paul probably at least saw that from an external perspective, give him a break. He's just trying to make the point. People growing up in Christ means so much to him. He's passionate about it. We see this passion from him over and over and over again in his preaching in his writing, and in his praying. And that's where we've come to today in Philippians chapter 1. It's a prayer. It's, it's a prayer. And so we're going to spend a few weeks on this little section of of, uh, of the text. It's, it's only uh, about three verses there, but we're gonna spend at least that many weeks on studying what this text says, as well as, God, what do you want us to learn when it, when it comes to this issue of prayer? So here's where I think I, I want us to start. When we read what the Bible has to say about prayer, There are two words that come to my mind. Both of them, I think, are indicated in Scripture. It is the two words, responsibility and compulsion. When the Bible talks about prayer, it's about responsibility and it's about compulsion. When I use the word responsibility, I'm saying there are places in Scripture where the Bible says, pray. In chapter 4 of this little letter, Paul's going to say, let your requests be made known to God, right? It is a call to, it is a responsibility to, it is a duty, if you will, to pray. There are scriptures that tell us to do that. But what I want you to know is that there are more scriptures that talk about the compulsion side of what it is to pray. What I mean by compulsion is the heart that is attached to this. There is a duty to pray, but there is also a heart behind that to pray. Prayer is not just about an external requirement. It's also an internal passion. And all throughout Scripture, there is more that speaks to that fact. Romans chapter 8 says we call, we call God our Father. Like we have this heart to call God our Father. And the reason we do is because of His Spirit that is within us, that has brought about this adoption as sons and daughters. But that's the heart behind how we pray. I think praying is supposed to kind of be like breathing for a child of God. Um, I don't have to command you to breathe, right? Now, for the next few minutes, you'll think about it because I just brought it up, right? And it's always weird when people bring it up and you're thinking about that you don't have to think about breathing, but but on a normal moment by moment part of your day. You don't think about breathing. There is an issue of of the air pressure on your lungs and the way all that stuff works together. You just breathe. And I'm saying for a follower of Jesus, there is actually a prayer pressure. Not a prayer pressure in a bad way as in you ought to but a prayer pressure as in a beautiful way that it just becomes this natural response when God actually lives within you, when his spirit actually dwells within you, it it generates this natural desire to pray. There's an old song, and I'm saying old because I think we started singing it like 20 years ago, kind of old, not 120 years ago, kind of old, but 20 years ago, kind of old, and it has a line in it, I love you from the inside out. That's what we're talking about here. So if you don't pray, it is not just that there might be a, let's say, lack of discipline that needs to be there. I'm not saying that's not important. It is. But it is also the evidence of a heart condition. That's what we've got to see. The measure of a person's, let's call it spiritual relationship, the, the measure of a person's spirituality is not about how well they conform to the demand to pray. I can get up here every week. Somebody can get up here every week and just demand we pray, we pray, we pray, and we put things into... into The, The measure of our maturity is not about how we conform to a demand to pray. It is about how internally compelled we are to pray because we have a passion for our God that we talk to and a passion for people that we pray for. And when you pray... Maybe we'll talk about this later on in this series, but the deepest longings of your heart actually come out when you pray. So when you always pray for you, it tells you where your heart is. So back in verse four of Philippians chapter one, Paul already said, I pray for you. He's saying, I pray for these people. He prays for joy, with joy. Well, in verse nine, he starts to give us the content of the prayer. So check it out. We're only gonna do one verse today, just one verse. But in this one verse, one sentence, if you will, he teaches us so much. Verse nine, here's how it reads. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul starts with love. And I think Paul almost always starts with love because he knows it is the single greatest virtue in life. It's love. In the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, Paul made statements like this you can speak the most impressive words, but if you don't love, you are just making noise. He, he said you, you could have a faith, a belief that, that can move mountains, but if you don't love, nothing. He said you could, you could give everything you have to the poor, even to the point that you would sacrifice like your own body. But if you don't love, you gain nothing, right? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. It is the most useful and valuable thing that we have. And so Paul starts there. And from this one line, we are going to learn some stuff about love. Check it out. This is where we start. And this is my prayer. I don't want to overlook that. This is my prayer. Because when Paul says, I'm praying for this love, it tells us something about this love. This is where we start. First, this love is divine love. It's God's love. Paul asked God for this because this is a divine virtue given by God. This, when we talk about love, is more than an attraction. It is more than a feeling. It is more than an emotion. Now, those things can be included, but it is bigger than that. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our heart by his spirit. Galatians chapter 5 says the fruit of the spirit, and then it starts with what? Love. And then you got a gigantic list, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But all of that flows out of love. We love love. The Bible says, because God did what? Loved us first. He's the source. It comes from him. And I want you to notice that when Paul's praying here, he's praying, God, will you give us more of this love? The love is already present, okay? It's present. Why is it present? Because God's spirit dwells within them, but it is a love that can be increased. Now think about, man, so many powerful statements from Scripture about love. In 1 John, John reminds us that we know we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who doesn't love remains in death. That's what he says. Let me paraphrase for you. If you don't love, you don't have eternal life. That's kind of a big statement. If you don't love, you don't have eternal life. Jesus himself, right, said a new command I give you. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. I want you to love one another. By this, everybody will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's kind of a big deal in our lives, that when we love one another like Jesus loves us, the world sees the evidence that we belong to Jesus. This is big. Paul knows it. The German theologian uh, Reinhold Niebuhr once uh, on an occasion made the statement that the church sometimes reminded him of Noah's Ark. He said, it reminds me of Noah's Ark because you couldn't stand the stink inside if it weren't for the storm outside. That's kind of funny. But when I'm studying what I'm studying this week, I'm saying... Please know that the love that God has for his people has got to be something better than just the better of two bad alternatives. And if the stink on the inside, all that can be said is it's a little better than the storm on the outside, then I'm afraid we don't fully understand what this God love is. It is supernatural, divine love. There's more. Back to verse 9. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. So the second thing that I'm going to tell you about this love, not only is it divine love, but it's what we're going to call decisive love. And the reason I'm saying it's decisive love is because that very word for love, many of you know in Greek language there are multiple Greek words that that can be translated love, but this is the one, this is agape. That's the word. It is the greatest picture of love. It is love that is choice and action. That's why I'm saying it's decisive. It is choice and it is action. I'm saying it's choice in the sense it is not just an impulse. It is not just an emotion and it is not earned. When the world tends to talk about love, it's, it's because somebody does something for me. I love because you, you do something for me or I feel something for you. I have a beautiful illustration of this. All, well, not all, most Chiefs fans in week eight of this season. Man, the conversations, right? Man, the statements made, right? There wasn't a whole lot of love flowing around Chiefs kingdom in ver- around week eight, right? the conversation was like, are we even going to have a winning season? Because at that point, right, at one point they're under 500. Or, I mean, right, that, that's, that's kind of a, a definition of, of how we determine love. It's if you're doing something for me. And I'm saying that same type of thinking tends to infiltrate then all the other connections in our life, the ones that we say maybe are more important, but we tend to see them just the same. We love if you do something for me. We love if I feel something for you. You ever heard somebody make the statement, right? I, I fell in love and couldn't help it. Well, that's not this love. Because this love is whether you are my friend or my enemy whether you do good or do evil, whether you can give me something or take everything from me, I will love you. This is how God loves. That's what Paul's praying for here. It it is decisive love. It is a choosing love. And it is a love of action. That when I, when I choose to love this way, it is, it is meeting a need. It is an act of kindness. It's, it's caring for somebody in a, in a practical way. It is, it is choosing to humbly serve others. When Jesus said, love your enemies, he's not talking about some feeling that you have for them. He's talking about how you're going to treat them, how you're going to act toward them. So I simply remind you for God so loved the world. That was a choice. Not because God had this warm fuzzy feeling about how cute you and I are. Not because we had provided this great list of reasons that we should be loved. No, for God so loved the world, that's a choice that he gave his only son. That is action. And the Bible says that when you and I love this way, Romans eight, for example, says it fulfills the law. What does that mean? It means when you actually love people that way, you you don't need a giant list telling you what you shouldn't do to people. Because if you love them that way, you're not going to steal from them. If you love them that way, you're not going to lie to them right? You don't need this list. It, you, it fulfills all of that. I'm not saying God's law it needs to be done away, with. don't twist what I'm saying, right? I'm just saying when you love, you don't need the list telling you what not to do. This is divine love. This is decisive love. This is what Paul is asking for. Let's keep going. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Abound more and more. And so third, here's the term I'm gonna use. It is a dynamic love. And I'm using that word because it, it is not something static here. It, it is not something that stays the same here. This word abounding, it means overflowing. It, it could be an image of, of how wave after wave continues to come. It, it could be the image of a, of a, of a waterfall that just continues to, to gush more and more right water over the edge. It, it's not staying the same, but it's growing, it's progressing, it's expanding It's enlarging. And the tense of this word, it is continual progress. That however you love at the moment, what he's praying for here and what God can do, it is enlarging the capacity of your love. More than an ordinary measure of love, he's praying, God, Will you abound and abound and abound and abound and abound this love in them? Now you realize there's a part of this, and again, maybe we'll talk more about this as we move forward in this series, but there's a part of this that you have to be intentional in. It's kind of like the second law of thermodynamics, right? The whole idea of everything breaking down right, the the law of of entropy, I'm saying that happens spiritually when we are not intentional with this love, dynamic love will disintegrate. It will. And I'm not saying it's not God, because it is God. I'm not saying it's something that we generate. No, it's something that he generates. But to be continually growing in this love, it is this willingness for me to put my life daily in an atmosphere that I am leaning into that power of God through his spirit. God, today, how can I love? And God, when you show me these moments of needs that need to be met, God, hearts that need to be attended to, God, today, I want to lean into the power of your spirit that you might cause this love that you've put in me, but would you cause it to grow and grow and grow and expand? This is what Paul is praying for. Right? I always try to imagine that night when Jesus washed those disciples' feet and then he said, love like this. I mean, he was always seeking and leaning into those moments where an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to I'm saying when we do that, that is the atmosphere from which God causes that to abound. It's divine. It's decisive. It's dynamic. There's still more. Check out the verse. Aren't you glad we're only doing one verse? All right, check it out. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. Knowledge. And so the word I'm going to use for love here is the fact that it is deep love. It is deep love. The word knowledge there, we we would, if we were expressing it with with some deep full knowledge, complete knowledge. Love is not an uncontrolled emotion. I know sometimes when you look at the world around us, it seems like that's what it is, but that that's not. God, love, it is linked to true knowledge. I, I, I might could say it, it's, it's sort of like knowledge is the guardrails for love. Well, for us, when, when we think about knowledge, we, we, we're talking about the truth, and when we are talking about truth, what is the ultimate authority when it comes to truth? It is God and his word. Another way to say it perhaps might be that our love is anchored to conviction based on truth. And where do we get that truth? God's word, what God has to say. Unfortunately, there have there has probably been some time in your life, if you've lived very long, that you've seen an instance where a couple who are married, and one decides to leave the other, and you know, having a relationship with somebody else, and the line that you get goes like this: Well, uh, I, I'm now with this person. I I love them. God gave us this love. <coughs> You know why I know? Because the truth of God's word confirms that to be not true. You see what I'm saying? It becomes the guardrails. That truth, that knowledge becomes the anchor, right? That, that that This is what deep love looks like. It is tied to knowledge. The Apostle Peter says something very similar, and I love it when different guys in God's Word say the same thing that just helps us make sure that when we're reading it, okay, this really is what it says. Well, check out 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Look at what he says. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the what? The truth. He's like, you're living right you are making some because you know the truth so that you have, check this out, sincere love for each other. I love that. He's like, okay, you know God's word. You know the truth of what God says. And when you start to walk within that truth, then you are living rightly, which means You are actually loving one another with a genuine heart. You're not manipulating one another. You're not trying to take advantage of one another. You you have this sincere love that is anchored to the truth. Watch this. Love one another deeply from the heart. This deep love. That word deeply is a word that, that oftentimes actually means to stretch. I would have done that better several years ago, but stretch, that's what it means. You got the idea. And it actually is the image of stretching a muscle to its extreme. So here's the point. When your love is controlled, guided by obeying truth, then you can stretch love to its fullest extent. When you live within those guardrails of truth, it doesn't actually make you less effective. It makes you be able to stretch even more with real love, genuine love, sincere love that impacts people's lives. This is what Paul is praying for. A love that is deep, a love that is dynamic, a love that is decisive, a love that is divine. And then there's just one more. Verse 9, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. It really is, it's, it, it is insight, it is perception, but in, in this particular case, he, he's talking about moral insight and moral perception. Here's the word that I'm going to attach to it, discerning love. Discerning love. I came really close to using a word that didn't start with D just to mess you up. I did. It's like, it's like weird preacher stuff. Like we always got to use words that start with the same letter. I was going to just not use a D, but it works here. It's discerning love. This word, this word in this text, it is the only place I know of that this word is used in all the New Testament. It's the word from which we get aesthetic, okay? Aesthetic, and it means insight. It means means perception. It is moral perception, moral insight. What he's talking about here, I think, is how you apply this stretching love. What you do with, how, how to know what to do with This stretching love, a love that is controlled by your theology. It's controlled by the truth that you know about God and what He says, and then wise application of that truth. Love is blind, not biblical love. It has insight. It has insight. It is not blind. It is a love that is insightful. It is a love that that is perceptive. It knows right and wrong. It knows false from true. It has the ability to make right application at the right time in life, That, that humbly meeting the needs of other people as you see and understand them. Now, come on, most of us know your motives can be worthy. Your intentions can be honorable. But haven't there been moments that perhaps you, you loved, you, you acted, and it actually made the thing worse? Unless you have this discerning love. And please don't miss the what Paul, ask for it. Like sometimes Christians walk around going, well, I just didn't do anything because I was afraid that it might do more harm than good. Well, it might, but you know what's a better option? Ask God if it would. Like ask him to give you supernatural direction. Give give me understanding, God, into this circumstance. His spirit in yours, he speaks. You, You can listen. He really does guide out of that relationship with him. Ask him before you just bail because you're afraid that it might do more harm than good. Paul's praying here that these people will have that, a stretching love, but also the wisdom to know what to do with it. Let's just read the verse one more time. Check it out. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. If we, like, if Paul's prayer was answered in us, you think we'd look different? You think we'd be different? Yeah, let's pray for this. Let's pray for this. God, that you you would bring this about, that we would lean into what we need to lean into and what you need to show us and correct and, and shape. Because I think where I want to just leave you today, and we'll pick it up next week, this love, it is not, restricted in the sense to only a few. So think about a web, all right? Think about a web. I purposely picked a web that did not have the spider in it just so that some of you could stay, all right? Because I know how some people are. But think about a web. And I want you to think about this image in terms of I'm using the word that, I hope that you have a little web of friends, friendships, relationships, okay? I hope that you have a little web of, of relationships. Maybe it's your life team. That's a beautiful thing. Some of you have life teams and you've been, you've been together for a long time. I, I pray that, that you have that. But here's what I want us to think about. There are times that if we're not careful, the standards that we set within that web will web some people in and it can web some people out now I'm saying this is this is a group of people that you you care deeply for them and and they care for you uh, there are some of you that would say yes that, that, that web for me they're, they're like the most real family that that I have on the planet. It's, it's, It's the group of people to which I really feel like I belong, right? It's where I get encouragement. It's where I find security. It's where I'm accepted. But here's what I'm reminding you. The higher the comfort level of your web, the higher the walls that keep other people out. And what happens often is people experience that kind of connection and we call it love. But from what we've read today, that's not actually full love. I'm bringing it up because most all of us struggle with this, me included. You know why? Because I like the comfortable zone. I do. I, I, my natural tendency is to move away from risky, unpredictable relationships, right? I mean, if, if you tell me that you actually seek risky, unpredictable relationships, we need to talk. We need to talk. Because most of us don't like losing some control of our time and our resources because somebody else needs those times and resources. But I'm reminding you today there is something greater and that is God's love. A love at risk. So... what helps me love that way in the times that I'm wanting to control and the times that I'm wanting to protect and the times that I'm wanting to isolate, what helps me love that way is when I remember that I have been loved that in the way that God has loved me. Undeserved. Unearned. So as you pray for love, I pray that a part of that is saying, God, will you let this beautiful gift of a web of friendships that you have blessed me with, may it abound. And may it be willing that no matter how risky, no matter how uncomfortable, I will love like I have been loved. See, I I don't think this is um, without struggle for anybody and I'm gonna say even the Apostle Paul I bet it was a wrestling match at times. I do. You think about all he went through, all he encountered, all the struggle. Today, uh, there is the gift of a song that I want you to hear. Actually um, written, um, uh, Peter and Grace coming out of just looking at Philippians and Considering what Paul's doing here, I want you to imagine Paul's in prison and there have to be moments we know that because when he writes the letters sometimes he tells about it. There are moments that he thinks back to that day that he had that head-on collision with Jesus on the road to Damascus and a love was poured into Paul's life and it changed him forever. But then there are those moments that he comes back to the reality. He is sitting in prison again. And this guy's human, which makes me think there probably were moments that Paul had to wrestle with. Is that love Still, is that presence of Jesus with him still? I don't know how I'm getting out of here this time. Is it true? And when we read his letters, we read as though Paul begins preaching to himself. And he says things like, the God who began this good work in me, he will finish it. Truth. Truth. And the next thing you know, he's picking up a pen and he's writing those things down. Because he loves the people in Philippi And he wants them to know This is true for you too And it extends All the way To this day And it's true for you too I want you to listen Take it in Maybe that's where you are today You wrestle with the truth Is he? Does he really love me? Is he really still here? Hear the truth and know you.